Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. This is the last show of the season. This is actually the third season that I've been on, which is kind of crazy um, because when this show was first kind of pitched to me, I was worried that maybe I'm going to just run out of people to talk to or things to talk about. That's sort of the constant fear that I have as a content creator, like maybe at a certain point just said everything that needs to be said. So thank God three years into the show, um, we've spoken to a lot of amazing people, probably one of the highlights. Okay. Maybe the highlight for me this year was speaking to Rabbi Laura Jonathan Sachs. That was maybe actually like a life highlight. Um, but we've spoken to really, um, incredible people. Um, we learned about Julius cool this year. Um, we spoke to his son-in-law. Uh, he, we call him the Orthodox Jewish Schindler. You never heard of, of because he saved about as many Jews as Schindler. Um, but he kept it under wraps. Um, and we spoke to, um, Yankee Lemmer, um, who is, uh, a famous Chazan who was part of a PBS special and his brother, I don't know if you heard the news recently named Shulam Lemmer actually just got a record deal with a major label, um, that represents like Pavarotti and, um, Bocelli, like major people, but then also sort of the bigger part of the label represents like Adele and Jay-Z. I think he's kind of more of like the, um, cultured side of it. Um, but then the, you know. So that that's pretty big, um, and maybe we'll have him on for next season, God willing. Um, and just, you know, as the, the year comes to a close, um, as an organization, we're doing a lot of growing. Um, we've been doing a lot of behind-the-scenes work at You in the City and Project Makom. Um, you know, we've been working in terms of sort of streamlining our, our board and our fundraising processes and just sort of operating more like you know, a professional organization. Um, when I started this, um, now we're going back almost 11 years ago. Um, I really had no, um, skills to be a a nonprofit leader. I didn't know what was required of me. I mean, it wasn't even a nonprofit until 2014, actually, it was more just like a movement for awareness. Um, and our, our founding mission was to break down stereotypes about Orthodox Jews and offer a humorous, meaningful look into, uh, actually, no, religious Jews and offer a humorous, meaningful look into Orthodox Judaism. Um, one of the things that we've been doing now behind the scenes with our board is to try to come up with the unified theory. Um, the unified theory of what connects Jew in the City content to Project Malcolm programming. And this is an important thing that we've needed to figure out for some time because in terms of how we present ourselves to the world, what makes us unique, what makes us a cause worthy to give to, um, and how sort of do the different parts of our operations and our programs relate back to a common goal. And so it's not completely finalized yet. We're still um, in the process of giving the final uh, board vote. But um, what we have come to realize, what I've come to realize now in you know the last few years is that Unfortunately, the stereotypes that we spoke of, um, you know, in founding this organization are not really stereotypes. Now, it's true that the media is not nuanced and it's true that the media loves to pick up the worst stories. And it's true that much of the media does not spend the time to see all the positives that exist every day. They don't spend the time to understand um, that mitzvot, you know, can be meaningful and enhance a life that otherwise might just honestly have a shallowness and an emptiness to it. So 
the media for sure um, has a culpability in presenting our community in a, a slanted way um, and with a, a bias. At the same time, um, the stereotypes that we sort of were founded to speak about, as I've met more members of Project Mako, what I found out these are not stereotypes at all. These are examples of Orthodox Jews behaving badly. Now, it's so important every time we speak about Orthodox Jews behaving badly, especially under the guise of Project Malcolm, that we're crystal clear that this is not a condemnation of all Haredi Jews, all Hasidic Jews, um, God forbid. The stuff that makes people not like being from, the stuff that likes people, makes people not like from Jews, is one and the same. It's people not living up to Torah values. It's a corruption of Torah values. And so as we're trying to formulate this mission statement, um, we sort of got to thinking about how do we sort of explain who we are and what we're not. And so we started off something like Jew in the City makes engaging and meaningful Orthodox Judaism known and accessible. That was sort of part one um, in that we don't just want an, uh, a meaningful Orthodox Judaism because meaning is great, but at the same time, we live in the world where we are basar vadam, we're flesh and blood. And so we need an Orthodox Judaism that feels relevant, that feels like we can live with it, that feels enjoyable, that feels um, that it, it works with our lives. It's not to say that it's uh, something that we compromise on or, you know, don't, don't live up to um, halacha or Jewish values, but that where is the framework um, where we can have room for self, room for out-of-the-box things within the space of halacha. So that's sort of the first part is we make this information known and not just known to non-Orthodox Jews, which we have to, um, you know, make it known to, but unfortunately there are so many Orthodox Jews that we have to make this kind of Orthodox Judaism known to um, that can be relevant and meaningful because they're just grow growing up, going through the motions don't actually understand the purpose of anything or don't actually see a place for their unique personalities or, you know, selves to fit into, you know, what, what seems like very rigid rules and very small boxes. So that's part one. But then part two, we had to figure out, we have to figure out as our board, what do we replace the, what we used to call stereotypes with? Now, we were sort of swinging around different ideas, talking about separating, you know, healthy Judaism from dysfunctional behavior or, um, you know, thinking Judaism from extremist interpretation or something rooted in Jewish tradition from extremist interpretation. Um, but we got worried that this could sound offensive, that, you know, someone is going to misunderstand us, someone is going to think that we're somehow lumping all Hasidim, all Haredim into this pile of unhealthy extremists. And um, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, we really do distinguish between people that are, you know, operating in a healthy and positive way. And that looks like a bunch of different communities. It's not just one community. We've always tried to be big tent at Jew in the City. And I think the fact that we have such a, a wide fan base and the fact that we highlight Orthodox Jews from a range of communities really speaks to the fact that I think most people get that. Um, but we weren't sure how do we describe sort of these negative things and say that we're not without seeming like we're pointing fingers or sort of blaming an entire group. So we sent, you know, some of our uh, drafts of our mission statement around to many Hasidic friends and colleagues and contacts that we have. And one of them suggested, um, what about just focusing on the positive instead of saying that you're not the negative? What What is the positive? What is it that you do? Um, and this got me thinking 
what are the the values that our organization has been publicizing and has been reintroducing or teaching for the first time to the members of Project Malcolm? What are sort of the larger values that go beyond community? You know, there's going to be a difference between ultra-Orthodox and modern-Orthodox when it comes to things like Zionism, when it comes to things like media consumption, when it comes to things like secular education, women's issues. There's going to be distinctions. And, you know, I'm of the belief that um, in matters like those things, it's it's eluva elu, that there's not one right way that for some people they do better in a community where they have less access to you know, secular, you know, culture or secular media. Um, and for other people, um, you know, they, they couldn't survive in such a way and they need more access. That's not to say carte blanche access. Um, halacha still, you know, requires that we, we have certain standards that we keep ourselves to. And so that means that while we may consume more media, um, it's not without, you know, boundaries. Um, but, while those things differ from community to community, what are sort of the overarching things that are uncompromisable? And what I got to thinking about is kindness is something that we can't compromise on. Tolerance or being a non-judgmental person is something that we can't compromise on. And being a thinker, being someone that is critically thinking um, and not just doing things by rote, but actually trying to delve in deeper and understand, you know, the world that Hashem put us in. These are really important values that I believe um, the non-Orthodox population doesn't associate us with. They don't associate us with kindness, tolerance, or critical thinking. And I believe that for the people that are failing in the unhealthy or extremist parts of the Hasidic or ultra-Yeshivish world, it's because they are lacking things like being raised with you know kindness around them, basic tolerance um, and critical thinking, the ability to ask questions. Um, and, you know, some of the things that we've heard at Project Mahom are so surprising are things that you wouldn't even believe are true. Um, and, you know, we're sort of seeing them now behind the scenes there. These are not news articles being written. These are not tell-all memoirs or, you know, um, exposés. We're hearing these things from behind the scenes. We're hearing things like members who you know, cut their payas, literally got evicted from their apartment um, because the landlord didn't like how they changed their dress. Now, again, this is not someone, um, you know, uh, looking extreme or, you know, causing some sort of ruckus in the apartment building. It's someone that decided to, you know, follow a different derech and made a, a, some small changes to their wardrobe. And suddenly um, this was, you know, uh, made them sort of eligible now to literally lose their home and their housing. Um, and the place that this happened is not even one of the most insular communities um, in the from world. It's, you know, would be considered sort of moderate right wing. Um, and so it's a little bit horrifying to, you know, hear about some of these things. Um, but I believe that the more that we can publicize and give access to an approach that is based on, kindness, tolerance, and critical thinking, um, the more that we will have Jews feel like they want to in, engage and live um, a committed Torah life. Um, and so, you know, if we kind of think about the the people that we've highlighted this year in terms of our content, if we move back to the Jew in the city stuff, you know, we have our um, Hasidic hacker. I'm not sure if you caught that video, but we um, profiled a guy named Yisrael Gert, who's a Ger Hasid, 
lives in Israel and um, started getting into computers around 13. His father brought him some books and he found some vulnerabilities in um, some Google products and Gmail and they gave him a spot on their Google Hall of Fame and they ranked him 23rd in their Hall of Fame. Um, so that's an example of a person who, you know, on one hand is living this, you know, Hasidic life. It's definitely more to the right, more stringent than how I live my life. But um, this is someone who, you know, is, again, engaging with the world, is thinking, is, you know, he's interacting with all different types of people with his startup. And so, you know, he's exhibiting um, tolerance um, and, you know, from meeting him, certainly a kind person. Um, and so these are really the examples that we want to put forward. Um, to our viewership and sort of remind people that this is the essence of, of being a from Jew. Um, that, you know, we had a Shabbaton a few months ago for Project Makom, and so many of our members were surprised that the hosts that we set them up with were just so ready to give to them with no, no strings attached, that they were there to open up their homes and open up their hearts um, and just sort of have them come as they were without any expectations of our members observing a certain way or, you know, behaving in a certain way, but just um, to just be there as people who care and who give and let the members kind of take from that what they wanted. And to see that this was a chiddish for people, that this was not something that they were used to, um, you know, they explained that from where they came from, um, kindness was attached to expectations. So if people were nice to them, they wanted them to, you know, behave in a certain religious way. Um, something else that's come up, it's an interesting sort of distinction between one community versus another or one hashkafa versus another. Um, it was recently explained to me that, you know, for some people, they believe that the, the verse, Kol Yisrael Arevim Zelazeh, that every Jew is responsible for one another, includes telling strangers what to do. So this means that um, if you see someone on the street and you perceive them to be sinning. Um, it's actually the greatest act of kindness that you can do to stop them, um, even if it's shaming them, even if it embarrasses them, possibly publicly embarrasses them, even if you have no idea if they'll accept your rebuke, um, and to tell them, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't dress like that. Um, and it's it's confusing that this somehow, you know, became a thing that people believe and practice because. Um, Whenever I've been around people that are um, kind of pushy and forceful and controlling, it's such a turnoff and it actually pushes me, you know, further away. Um, whereas when we just model, you know, ha uh, healthy and, you know, sort of tolerant and kind behavior, um, and when we explain why mitzvahs are meaningful to us without any you know, ideas or assumptions that someone has to agree with us or end up following the same way. Um, I think it's just such a stronger approach. And I think that that's really what um, has been the secret to our success in these, you know, almost 11 years of, of operating, um, you know, model a certain behavior, um, explain in a meaningful way, you know, what, what these practices and rituals are about. Um, and then ultimately let the person who's listening decide how much, how little to incorporate or not to incorporate. And so um, what's exciting about um, sort of coming up with our unified theory of how our, you know, different sides of our programming uh, connect is that I think will only strengthen us in terms of sort of creating more of it, creating more content that is along these lines, um, creating more programming for Project Makom 
that is along these lines. And then ultimately, um, you know, my dream for the organization is behind the scenes with leaders and Rebeum to figure out and help fix the root problems that are turning people away and causing the negative headlines. Because what I've come to realize is that the two are one and the same and that until we deal with the problems at their root, um, we will never go out of business. There will be just a continual, um, you know, deluge of negative headlines and people pouring out. And, you know, as I've gotten to know more people that have, I would say, been spit out of the system, I have to say, um, I don't blame them, uh, you know, hearing their stories and hearing what they've been put through and hearing what they've been told is Judaism and is, you know, religious behavior is honestly shocking and horrifying. And um, I get so much joy in showing, uh, you know, a Jew for the first time how beautiful a Shabbos is, how beautiful a piece of Torah is. Um, I mean, it's an incredible thing because I spent so many years searching for a meaningful way to live and to see someone who was where I was, who had never had the knowledge, never had the exposure to the information, to the experience, giving that to them for the first time and seeing how it enhances their lives is such a wonderful feeling. But it may be that seeing someone who's been raised with Torah and mitzvot, but in a, a really messed up way, in a way that I would say was corrupted. And again, this is not the entire Haredi or Hasidic world. These are the people that were raised in an unhealthy and corrupted way. Um, to see these people for the first time enjoy a mitzvah or enjoy a piece of Torah or feel relieved that they can ask a question or ask the question and then get a meaningful answer. Um, it may actually be even a higher level for me in terms of the joy that I receive because um, it's people that had kind of written things off and, you know, thought that they saw it and they knew it and it was over um, and getting a second chance. And so that's what, um, that's what we're going to continue doing here. Um, and, you know, we're going to stay busy over the summer. We have, a new batch of all-stars that we are deliberating over right now with our committee. Um, so God willing, in the fall, we will be making our big announcement for the sixth class of Orthodox Jewish all-stars. Um, we will continue to put out great content. Um, we have a series of Comatech interviews that we have uh, filmed. And the Comatech is a, um, what's the word, incubator, there we go, for um, Haredim in Israel. Um, for people that want to become entrepreneurs in the Haredi world, there was not really any um, things in place for them, not really any resources in place. And there's a big divide in Israel between the secular and Haredi population. And so a man named Moshe Friedman decided that it was time to help the population out so more people could have access to this. So we filmed a series of interviews. We've released um, a couple so far, and God willing, we will have more uh, along the way as well. We, uh, a couple weeks ago, filmed an interview with a former Knicks player. I actually got to play basketball with, um, like, a professional uh, basketball player. Obviously, I was amazing. Just joking. I was not that amazing, but he was nice. Um, his name is Chris Smith. For anyone that follows basketball, you know his brother, J.R. Smith. Um, so Chris was uh, a Knicks player for a couple of years. He was a point guard. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but you don't have to be so tall if you're a point guard. That's what I found out. Um, and so um, he, he grew up in Lakewood, and um, he had like a curiosity for Jews for many years. And then it ended up, well, Amari Stoudemire 
like was on his team and he was bringing like Svarim to the locker room at the Knicks or something. So that kind of furthered his interest. And then he ended up connecting with a from agent, a guy by the name of Daniel Hazan um, is his um, agent manager. Um, and he, that sort of deepened his curiosity, his exploration. He ended up having an Orthodox conversion um, earlier this year. And um, so we just got to sit down with him and kind of talk about his journey um, as a basketball player, um, as a person seeking, you know, meaning and, and truth in his life and what that is like for him to now be Jewish and be, you know, a, a Shomer Shabbos, uh, you know, Jewish person. So we will, God willing, be releasing that in the coming months as well, um, as well as uh, we have a collaboration coming up with uh, Wasser Wigs. Um, and so we're going to do something fun with them on the topic of hair covering. Um, and we're going to continue um, to, you know, put out great content, which, you know, attracts kind of both sides of uh, what we describe, people that have been misinformed and people that have never been informed at all and people that maybe just, you know, could use a little extra inspiration, even if they got, you know, a reasonable, um, you know, education. It seems like people are always could use a reason to, you know, see things more positively or, you know, feel more pride about, you know, the Torah lifestyle that they keep. Um, and so we, we look forward to continue, uh, you know, putting this out there for you. Um, the thing about radio is that I never actually know who is listening and who is out there. And when we had our last All-Stars event, um, I know that definitely some of you guys came out there. Um, when I spoke in Australia a few years ago, I found out that, you know, we even have people on literally the other side of the planet listening. So that's, that's a pretty cool thing um, to know about. Um, as we take our hiatus, we are going to, you know, for the radio show, we'll be back uh, in the fall, God willing. We will still be hard at work on all the, the things that I just mentioned now. And so if you want to help build a world, a Jewish world, where, you know, these values are um, made public to all Jews and, and Jews are given access points and entry points to be able to live these lives, um, we would so appreciate if you could Whatever you could give, whether it's $5 or $5,000, um, I'm not sure if you've ever gone to our website and found the donate button, but um, you know, I've gotten better at fundraising just because I realized that we can't do this alone. Um, this is too important um, for us to not do well. Um, this is really the future of Judaism, I believe, that's at stake, kind of realigning these values that Jews understand, you know, who we are, that we're a people that are based on kindness, that are people that are based on thinking, that are people that are based on tolerance. Um, and unfortunately, um, both our the perception of who we are and even for many of us, the practice of who we are has kind of gotten gotten off kilter. Um, but the fact that you're listening to this show and the Nachum Siegel Network means that you, I'm sure you agree with these values. Um, and we, you know, unlike any other organization out there, um, this is this is why we exist to make this information um, public and to help every Jew who wants access to it gain it. And so we we so appreciate your support, uh, your your listening, and anytime you share our content. Um, if you want to get involved with Project Makom, we have a sign up form where you can become a volunteer or a host. That's at projectmakom.org. Um, and I hope you have a wonderful summer. Um, and we will catch you on the other end. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening. And you can catch us back in the fall. Take care. Bye-bye.